Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today on the show, back again, we have Dr. Doug Carpenter. How's it going, Doug? Good. How are you? I'm feeling really excited about today's topic, even though it is a little bit intimidating because we're talking about bullying. I remember I was bullied when I lived in Mexico City in second and third grade. One of the yeah. One of the kids was bigger than me and he would hold me down and the other kid would punch me. And I remember actually reporting it to the principal. Good for you. Yeah. That's so, that's so good that you were able to speak up for yourself and say, Hey, what's happening here? Is it, is it right? Yeah. It did make a big difference. And I remember the other kids in the playground were like, no, don't report it. Don't report it. Hmm. Did they, what did they, what did they think would happen if you reported it? Well, I think they wanted to protect the other boys and Hmm. they didn't want there to be trouble and maybe the teachers would become more strict and I don't know. Yeah. I just remember being over there in Mexico city as a big, tall white kid. Right. Who really (laughs) stood out. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Big time. Yeah. And when they would pick teams, they would pick, the Mexican boys, and then they would pick the Mexican girls, and then they would pick the international kids like me. Mm. Yeah, really felt left out, ostracized. Yeah, so that was a little bit of a bullying experience from peers that I've had. And yet, I think there were other ways in which I was even bullied by my own dad. Okay, say something about that. Yeah, well, he was not a very vulnerable person and he liked to be in charge. And mm. sometimes when he lost his self-control, he would yell or okay. lash out physically. Even if it wasn't on my body, it would be frightening. And right. Well, bullying can, bullying can come from you know many different sources. It's not always just our peer group, you know, or somebody that we just, that's an acquaintance of us. It can come from a parent or a coach or, you know, I've always had problems with coaches in the yes. way they see kids. It drives me crazy. Like I, my son's football coach was the nicest guy off the field, but when he mm-hmm. stepped on the field, I just had to set back And I would have to deep breathe and just count to 10, like when he would start yelling at kids, because it it just wigged me out because it was like, this is not an appropriate way to address kids who are in developmental, important developmental stages. You know, so bullying can come from multiple different places. You know, it can come from employers, um, other coworkers. It can happen at church. You know, when we look at spiritual abuse and and people who are misusing uh, the power and authority that they have over you or 
a, a differential in power, power differential. You know, anytime there's a power differential, there's potential for bullying. And that's why we need to talk about it. Right. Absolutely. For me, bullying is this important. This is such an important topic because of what bullying does to a person. You know, I feel like it tears away at the very fiber of who you are, you know, because it is your personhood that is being attacked, you know, and that can be physically, spiritually, verbally, mentally, emotionally, you know, but there, there's a tearing away as that, that bullying happens. It's destruction Mm. to, you know, I almost want to say the soul, but the, the, the being of who you are internally, you know, because those words penetrate, those actions penetrate. And they become, you know, very, very hurtful. And probably my biggest concern is when somebody's bullied is the amount of shame that it starts to breed. Because you immediately start lowering your self-esteem, your self-efficacy. You lose that sense of agency that I'm in control of my life and my destiny and things start getting thrown at you, you know? And so you start questioning, well, is what they're saying true? Is that true about me? Mm-hmm. Am I deficient? Do I lack this or that? Do I, do I really lack a sense of masculinity? Am I really that challenged in this area? Am I really that ugly? You know, whatever those words are coming to you, it starts immediately creating a sense of self-doubt. I mean, most kids and even adults sometimes don't have the ego strength strength to be personally attacked and be able to just automatically reject that. You know, we are relational people. You know, just like God created Eve because Adam was stinking lonely, right? <laughs> so we are relational people. So we don't handle rejection. Well, we're not designed to handle a lot of rejection, you know, so that bullying just starts tearing away at that self-efficacy and that feeling that, that we, we are good. And it starts creating thoughts that we are bad or we are defective. And then that becomes toxic shame. Cause then I think so many times the words of bullies become our inner critic. Wow. And so then, like, you know, for example, for myself, I was not really a very overly masculine little boy. I was raised around females, and so I had some real feminine characteristics. And so, you know, my bullies teased me about that. And then when I would do something and notice that it wasn't maybe as masculine as it could have been, like the way I moved or the way I said something, my own inner critic would start all those words. Oh my God, you just look like a sissy when you did that. That was so girly, you know? And so my inner critic was also my bully. So my bully was coming from outside and from the inside. You know, it and, sounds like what you're saying is that we can actually join with the bullies and agree with the bullies. Yes. So yeah. long after they're gone, years and years later, those voices are still loud. 
inside our house. Oh, yeah. I sit with men of all ages on my couch who've been bullied, and those words are still ringing in their ear. And that has been trauma for them that has stuck with them. And I think it's because it fed the inner critic. You know, if we look at all these different parts that we have, we have a part of us that is our inner critic. And Can you say more critic, about that? Because what is the inner critic? Well, I think it's it's a part of us that can hold shame. It's I don't think it's the only part that holds shame. But I think it's that part of us that rises up with that voice and says, oh, that was really bad. You you suck at that or you're you are terrible or you're a sissy or you're you know not as masculine you don't compare to those other guys you'll never measure up you know it's that part that is just heaping on negativity and negative thoughts about who you are the person that you are not just your ability or that you lack an ability but it might even tell you you're unlovable. No one's ever going to accept you. Never, no one's ever going to see the good in you. And it, it just keeps taking over your thought process. You know, in therapy, I always ask people if they've seen that the kids' movie Inside Out. Yes. Yeah, because although that's a cartoon character, that movie uh, therapist um, from internal family systems were a part of creating that movie. Um, So if you think of, okay, the healthy part of us is on the control panel in our brains and of our lives, but yet we have all these parts surrounding who sometimes try to jump on the control panel and hijack us, you know, and how often does our inner critic jump on that control panel and start pushing the levers and the buttons and, and we start hearing its voice versus our healthy self. Yeah. This applies to everyone. Absolutely everyone who's listening to this. Absolutely everyone. To pause and ask, what does your inner critic say to you? What does that voice sound like in your head? When that part of you jumps on the control panel and takes control, what is it yelling into the microphone? Yeah. Well, for me, it's that you're ugly. You don't compare to other guys. You're not as masculine as other guys. You're not as strong as other guys. Women don't like you as good as they like other guys. Um, it's, it's, it just falls into all this comparison. Like you never measure up. You know, when I hear that a lot in my head, you never measure up. No matter how successful I am in my work, I still always think, oh, I'm just not there yet. Like, and I don't even know where there is. (laughs) You know, it's like this nebulous thing that we're constantly chasing to be good and to be better. And that inner critic is constantly telling us we're never going to get there. You know, and, but I think, you know, that comes from my own childhood trauma of never feeling like I measured up to the other boys around me. So that inner critic that always is telling me you're not good enough, you don't measure up. I'm constantly having to give myself some self-compassion. 
which is something that we can talk about, like maybe toward the end when we talk about like how to deal with our bully and how to get yeah. past it. That's good. Um, but we have to develop some self-compassion. We have to balance out that inner critic right. with some healthy parts of ourself. We can't just let it have the megaphone in our head and be blasting its message. Right. And what I hear you saying is first we need to find out where that voice is coming from. Yes. And sometimes people actually said those things to us. Oh, almost always. I mean, usually the negativity that swims around in our head from our inner critic is not something we've dreamt up on our own. Mm -hmm. They are words that we have heard. They are words that have been said to us. They were, you know, I really didn't want a fifth child. You were an accident. You know, or I had one guy said, his dad told him one time, I should have worn a condom. You know, and just how hurtful those words are. And all those go into that internal critic of you're not good enough. You weren't wanted. They didn't want you in the first place. Yeah. And we might think, oh, those are just my thoughts about myself. Well, what does that voice remind you of? When have you heard that voice before? Well, so many times I ask people when they're talking about their negativity, whose voice is that? Yeah. Create that voice for me. Who is it? You know, and sometimes they'll be like, it was my mother. It was my father. It was my first grade teacher. You know, I had one guy who, um, this, his mom's friend looked at him and said, you would have made a really good girl when he was like six or seven. And that just pierced him. And then he began to doubt himself as a little boy from those words, you know, so that internal voice isn't always just our voice. It's, it's like a collective conscience of, of all the things that we've heard and that have been thrown at us. You know, our, our inner critic has a ball glove in there and catches everything that gets thrown, you know? <laughs> yeah. He does, and then he holds on to it tight, and then he throws it back at us. Mm. You know, and, and honestly, if we look at the suicide rate, um, there's been studies done by the CDC, the Center of Disease Control, that that – bullied kids are anywhere from two to nine times more likely to try to commit suicide. And that's because, you know, kids who are bullied get all this stuff thrown at them. Their inner critic catches it, but then they're too, too worried or concerned to throw it back. So then we throw it at ourselves and we take it out on ourselves. And eventually that anger that we have at our bullies is really anger turned inward and we start projecting that onto ourselves. And then that can lead kids to become self-injurious toward themselves. And ultimately suicide is the only way to make this inner critic stop. Hmm. It's the only way to get the pain to stop. Or at least it feels that way. It feels that way. Yeah. Yes. So we're talking about the signs and the symptoms of bullying. Yeah. The inner critic incessantly in our ears. Right. Um, Having so much anger and turning it toward ourselves. Um, Shame, 
self-doubt. These all correlate with bullying. And so the question for us, in my mind, is not if we have been bullied, but how and by who? Right, right. Well, because, I mean, the statistics show us that one in three kids are bullied in school and up to 45% of kids are bullied online. Wow. You know, so really, it's highly likely that at some point in your life, you've been bullied. Now, we all have, you know, a different level of our ability to overcome that and to be resilient. You know, maybe your bullying situation was one night at church when you did something silly and, you know, everybody like kind of bullied you about it or, or whatever, made comments to you. You know, we have to put this in the context of what I call big T's and little T's, which, you know, that's in the field of talking about trauma. You know, sometimes bullying is, is, can just be a little T. Maybe it happens once, or maybe it's just some silly thing about you that you we're able to finally get over and it, and it doesn't bother you anymore. But when bullying happens over and over and over, it just becomes layers and layers of trauma until it's like complex trauma. Or if your bullying was a big T trauma, we usually think of big T traumas as like something physical or, or sexual. Like, in my book, I refer to, I have a chapter in there about bullying and I talk about this man that I named Rex in the book, but he, he was more of an effeminate guy, liked art instead of sports. But in, in gym class, his teacher threw a basketball across the court and hit him in the head with it. And then all the kids laughed, you know, the, the boys on the football team were in that class. They threw him against the bleachers and dislocated his shoulder. You know, so those are big T traumas. You know, that's entering into physical abuse. You know, so you as a person have to determine what was the impact of my bullying? Is it a small T trauma? Is it a, was it a big T trauma? Has it become a complex trauma where now it like those thoughts permeate my whole belief system about myself? You know, you have to look at, okay, how significantly is this affecting me? And it sounds like we can begin to get a grasp of that significance by asking, okay, well, what am I actually experiencing physically, emotionally in my day-to-day life? And for our purposes, talking about outgrowing pornography, we need to talk about the sexual symptoms of bullying. I mean, how can bullying affect a person's sexuality. Well, I could I could drone on and on and on about all the all the reasons, but let me give you an example. I think that will just highlight this and and show this perfectly. So I had a patient who grew up very poor, very very poor, and he would often have to, have to wear the same clothes to school several days in a row. There were times he didn't have shoes. He always had to ride an old rustic bike to school. And there were these group of boys who always walked to school and they would constantly tease him for being so poor and for his clothes and that he stunk and, and all these things. And these boys would always make threats at him like, 
they were going to beat him up. And so he became, became extremely fearful of these boys. And his first challenge was he started to have the thought that if I was a girl, these boys wouldn't bother me. They would leave me alone. So that started to play into his, his gender role and how he saw himself gender-wise. Then at some point at home, because of the boy's threats, he started actually practicing tying himself up and being able to get out of it because he was so afraid these boys were going to grab him and do something brutal to him. Then as he progressed, he reached adolescence and his, his gender questions and this history of tying himself up and being able to get out of it got intertwined with his sexual energy. And so then it ended up that he would cross-dress, tie himself up, masturbate, try to get himself out of these, you know, these bondage scenarios until he grew up. Um, and now he struggled with cross-dressing. He crossed he struggled with BDSM behaviors. Um, and then it progressed to even real self-injury type behaviors where, I hate to even say this, but he was super gluing his hand to his penis to masturbate. And, and, and just, you know, it was part of his BDSM behavior to just, you know, that pulling away then and causing physical injury. But all of that started from that root of being bullied and the fear that was generated and trying to escape it. If I was only a girl, if I can be strong enough to, to get out of being captured, you know, and then, you know, when we become boys and we become sexual creatures, that provides a lot of energy. If you meet any 12 or 13 year old boy who's having hormone surges, yeah. they have a lot of energy. You know, and that sexual awakening is occurring and all that just got intertwined. You know, because I think when a boy reaches a point where his body starts responding and he can masturbate or he starts to have some sense of, hey, I'm a guy, I, I can be masculine, look what I can do. And so there can be some real positive feelings from that. But he was dealing with all these negative feelings, too. And all that got intertwined to where it just led to really problematic sexual behavior. You know, being bullied or, or lots of things in life, if we are having a negative emotional experience, we are going to look for something to relieve that pain. And especially in today's society with the accessibility of pornography and sexual situations, that creates an immediate endorphin rush and provides that dopamine rush for that relief of that negativity and those negative emotions. So it's not surprising if a kid feels ostracized, if you've been bullied, if you don't feel like you compare that you, that you don't fit in, you're going to search for something to alleviate that pain. That can yeah. be drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography. Absolutely. You know, it's so easy to fall into those traps. And bullying silences us. It really attacks yes. our soul and our voice. 
Absolutely. Well, here comes pornography saying, hey, now you get to decide what happens. Right. What you say goes. Here's your voice back. Tell me what you want sexually. Right. Right. And it gives you, finally, a male role model. Mm. Because I think so many of these boys are searching, who can I emulate? Like, where can I find a sense of positive positivity and positive masculinity? And, I mean, all of us as adults know that, know that people in the porn industry, that's not a positive realm, role model, male role model. But when you're that young and you're searching and you think, wow, look at that guy on the screen and what he can do. And, hey, I can do a little bit of that. And now you have a male role model. You know, I, I dealt with this like a week or so ago. Um, a dad texted me and he said, hey, my kid is starting to bully other kids. He's starting to make a lot of racist comments. Um, he listed off four or five things. And he, and he said, and I said to him, I think your son is watching hardcore porn. And he's like, just from what I told you, you think those things? And I said, I do because all of those things that you just listed me are components of hardcore porn. And he said, well, that's interesting because he used the name of a male porn star a couple of weeks ago out loud. And I had no idea like who it even was until I went and looked it up. So I had him go look at the kid's computer and his history was full of hardcore porn. Wow. You know, and so sometimes even if we're being bullied and then we find an outlet like a porn and we start emulating that person on the screen, we can actually turn into some of those behaviors and start projecting them. You know, this kid had started to become a bully because he had been bullied and then found his outlet in porn. And here was this guy in hardcore porn exhibiting all this strength and power and degradation. And so now he like jumped on that and was trying to emulate that. This makes so much sense. Yeah. Doug, would you say that porn can become a bully? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know how graphic we want to be, but I've treated uh, several men who've have come in because they're very ashamed of the size of their penis. And what is, what does porn tell you? You know, you, you can't even be in the porn industry mm. if you're like below seven and a half inches, you know, and then they have all these demands. So porn is functioning as that critic. Oh, absolutely. You're not good enough. You're not big enough. You won't last long enough. You can't do what they can do to her. You can't make her scream like that. It becomes the bully. Isn't this crazy that porn pretends to give us a voice and and says, hey, here's some power. You can be empowered. You can be the one who decides what happens. You don't have to be weak or powerless. And then that's what it promises. But then what it delivers is heaping shame, heaping, and even more powerlessness and just holding us in its grasp like a bully who keeps throwing the punches. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've not had one man sit on my couch in 25 years and just talk about all the benefits of porn Mm -hmm. and how it's enhanced their life and made them better. And no, 
somewhere along the lines, it's it's become a bully or it's taken over their life and it's it's brought pain and sorrow yeah. to them. And that's why today we are talking about healing from bullying and the inner critic and how that can help us find freedom from porn. And porn is even one of those bullies that we need to stand up to. So Doug, what if someone is being bullied right now in the present? Well, you used an interesting phrase earlier about uh, your voice. You have to find your voice. You have to decide that I do not deserve to be treated like this, nor will I tolerate it. You know, I, I, uh, I remember getting bullied as an adult one time where I, I was in this band and I, I played the piano. And the drummer is a bully. And he and I have not gotten along very well many times because of his bully type behavior. And I would have to stop and say, you are not going to talk to me like that. You are not going to treat me like that. I'm a 51-year-old man, and I am not going to tolerate that. You know, so you have to find your voice, even if it's in the middle of church. (laughs) (laughs) With the church band and say, no, 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 that's not going to happen here. You know, but you have to find your voice. You have to recognize that I'm worth standing up for. I'm going to speak up. And if if there's somebody in authority, like if you're in a, a job situation, if you've tried to address it with the bully and say, stop, this is my boundary. I'm not going to allow this. You may have to go to human resources. You may have to go to a boss. You may have to make a complaint about a person to help protect yourself against this type of behavior. You know, if it's, if it's happening on the internet, maybe you need to delete certain apps or even turn this person in. If they're doing something really inappropriate, you know, you can turn it in on Facebook or whatever social media platform that that you're referring to, but it's really about finding your own self-respect. And what are your boundaries and what are you willing to tolerate? And what should you tolerate and what should you not tolerate? That idea of self-respect sounds almost foreign to me. Like I just don't hear people talk about that. Self-respect, like is that even biblical? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, I have to recognize that I expect others to treat me the way in which I would treat them, the way Christ wants me to treat them. I expect that in return. And when that's not happening, I have to then say, here is my boundary. And that boundary is part of self-respect, that I'm not going to allow someone to hurt me with, with their words or their behavior, or even physically. Some of us are so quick to stand up for others, and we have a high respect for others, and we're slow to stand up for ourselves. Very slow to stand up for ourselves. Why is that? Well, I think it goes back to the shame that's housed within us, the doubt that's housed within us. You know, what did you go through as a child Mm -hmm. that caused your belief system to 
stray from you believing that you're a competent, healthy, abled person? You know, where are those self-doubts? So sometimes in order to stand up to a bully in the present or to protect ourselves, we actually need to go back to the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is, is this a tape that's continuing to play or that I'm continuing to allow? Yeah. And at some point you have to determine, okay, I'm no longer going to allow this. So once you make that decision, how do you heal from the effects of past bullying? Well, um, a couple of different ways. I mean, naturally, I operate inside of a psychological world where I do a lot of therapy with people. So, you know, and I use a lot of inner child work or internal family systems work. So, you know, when somebody comes in and bullying and trauma from bullying is one of the things that they want to deal with. Sometimes I'll even have them draw a picture of what does that bullied child look like? Hmm. What does he look like in your mind? You know, if I pictured my own bullied inner child, he'd probably be about six or seven and he would have cuts and bruises and be crying and just be very sad because the words people had said to him almost felt like physical injuries. You know, so I would have them draw that out um, in a picture. And, and I'm going to come back to that. But then I might also have them write a letter from that wounded child. And sometimes in their non-dominant hand, so it even looks like a child's writing mm. about, here's what I am experiencing. And I being that six-year-old little boy, here's what's hurting me. Here's what's wounding me. Here's what's being said to me. Then I might progress to have the healthy adult part of us even write a letter back to that inner child offering him comfort and nurturance and safety and that the adult part of them is is there to help them you know and and i usually have people do a lot of letter writing back and forth like this but then when they come in for session i often like sit an empty chair before them or i sat a stuffed animal in front of them. And, and I have them actually speak to that part of themselves that that needs addressed. You know, mm-hmm. I might also have them write a letter and then address people that bullied them. You know, and at first I want them to write their anger because bullying creates a lot of anger. That's never been externalized. We're carrying around it it around in all this luggage and it's just full of anger. And sometimes it pops open. Yeah. Right. And people see it yeah. and you know, we have to stuff it back in there and sit on uh-huh. the seat and buckle it all back up. So that's crazy because it's like all of a sudden I'm using my voice, but it's out of control and then it causes problems. So I think, okay, I really, really, really can never use it. Can't do that. Yes. Yeah. So I got to stuff it back in there mm. and hold on to it. You know, but in therapy, I tried to get them to bust open that suitcase yeah. and externalize that anger. You know, it's okay to scream and yell mm. in therapy. You know, I even like when people need to get rid of anger or they need to give something back to um, 
a person, like let's say they need to give back shame. They need to give back anger. I'll set a chair in front of them and I will put a Kleenex box in their lap. And, and I tell them every time you come across something you need to give back, rip out one of those Kleenexes, throw it up and throw it at the chair. Give it's back just, in the sense of. This sorry. isn't mine to own. Yeah. You calling me names and, and being derogatory toward me is not mine to own. That's yours to own. That was your behavior. That's your shameful behavior. It's not something I should own. I'm not going to carry this around. This is your burden. That's so good. Yeah. So, <sighs> you know, and I've even used poker chips before. Like I'll just let them hold a, a whole bucket full of poker chips. And every time they want to give something back, I just have them throw it. You know, because I, I think there's a lot to that symbolism of, you know, somatic experiencing, like the, putting movement to our feelings, you know, unlocking that anger and projecting it outward, you know, because how can we reach a place of forgiveness to our bullies if we don't work through the anger first? You know, if I sit around and have revenge fantasies all the time at these people, or every time I see them, I just think, oh, I just wish you'd trip and fall on your face. You know, you're still holding a lot of anger that needs to be externalized there before you can get to a place of forgiveness. Hmm. So we need to I, find a place for that anger physically. Yes. Without hurting people and without hurting ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. You can externalize that without you know, going over and punching your bully in the face. Is that externalizing? Yeah, but not in a healthy way. You know, you need to work through that and externalize those feelings so you can get to the deeper feelings of how that was hurtful to you. This sounds like we're circling back to what you said about self-compassion. Yes. You know, there's a, there's a really good website called self to, selfcompassion.org. Um, and a lot of it's written for women, but the principles still apply for men of just recognizing and telling yourself the opposite of what your inner critic has told you. I am a good person. I am a human. I have strengths. I have weaknesses. I'm not perfect. I don't need to compare myself to the next person. Just like with you, you're so tall and skinny, you know, and I'm like just an average sized guy and a little overweight, you know, uh, sure. I would like to be tall and skinny like you, <laughs> you know, but I can't, I can't sit around and compare myself to other people. You know, I have to accept my humanity. This is the body God gave me and I'm going to try to take the best care of it that I can, you know, but that's having some self-compassion. We have very different gene pools. It's clear. <laughs> Those are never going to be the same. You know, I have to come to a place of self-acceptance of who I am, how God made me, the gifts that he gave me, the weaknesses that I have, have compassion on myself when I make a mistake, that I can get up and try again. All those things are self-compassion. It's having leniency with ourselves. And, 
and using that self-compassion to calm down that inner critic that's become mm-hmm. our bull. Yes. And I would even add finding self-compassion for that inner critic. Yes, absolutely. Well, okay. So here's one thing that I also do is I will have them talk to their bully, their inner critic, like let's, let's lean into him. Mm-hmm. Just like we lean into our sexual fantasies within the work that you do lean into that bully. What is he really trying to do for you? Mm-hmm. How is he trying to protect you? Cause he's trying to do something good for you. He's just doing it in all the wrong ways. Yes. Right. He he's telling you to not put yourself out there because he doesn't want you to be criticized by someone else. He's telling you you're not good enough so you won't take any more risk. He thinks he's protecting the system, but he's not. So we got to find that healthy part of him, lean into that critic, find out what he's trying to do, and then offer him some self-compassion and nurturance to say, it's okay. You can calm down. You don't have to work this hard. Mm -hmm. I've got you. You can take a break and give that part of yourself permission to take a break. There is the part of us that was bullied. And then there's the protector, really. The inner critic is is trying to prevent more bullying, of course. Yes. Actually reinforcing and repeating the bullying. Right. But trying to say, hey... If you don't stand up tall and stay small, you could fly under the radar. If you stay quiet and don't use your voice, no one's going to yell at you. Right. While delivering that message with a yelling voice of condemnation. Exactly. So I hear you saying that rather than disparaging the inner critic and, and just heaping even more shame because I have this inner critic and I have so much shame and I'm ashamed of that. We can even come with kindness toward the very voice that's keeping us trapped. Yeah. You have to befriend him Mm -hmm. to tame him. Mm. (laughs) So good. Right. Befriend the bully. Yeah. He's going to continue his message because he thinks he's doing a good job. But until he's relieved of those duties and can trust you, the person that you are and the person that you are in God, he's going to keep working really hard. So befriend him. Let him calm down. Let him let go of some of his messages and recognize that he's still going to be protected. Yeah. But that's a a lot of hard work. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot of hard work that often you can't just do by yourself. And that's the value of of therapy or group therapy or being in some kind of support group where they deal with these kinds of things, mm-hmm. you know, so that way you have some guidance through this process. Yeah. And it's hard work either way. It's hard work to be constantly protecting yourself or trying to protect yourself. Like yes. that inner critic is working really, really hard already. So we might as well put the hard work toward healing. Exactly. I agree. All that energy, let's put it toward, toward healing and developing self-compassion. 
And then going back to inside out, we have these different parts of us that are all around the control panel, even though they're not hijacking it. Right, right. Because maybe you can get that part to just sit down in a nice lawn chair and just enjoy life (laughs) instead of jumping up and down like a kid with ADHD constantly trying to get the attention. (laughs) You know, I loved it in... In that movie, when it, it went around like to different nations and you could see people's different parts and all their characteristics in their head. And, you know, you have to think about what's inside your head in those different parts and then find a way to get them t- to relax a little bit. So the real you can stay in charge. So the real you can stay in charge. Man, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know. I really think people can overcome their bullying and all these negative messages if they work on it, if they have enough self-compassion to take that healing journey that I'm going to try to heal this part of myself. You know, those negative messages that my inner critic wants to say, I've learned to have some self-compassion and say, hey, you know what? You may not be good at X, Y, and Z, but you are really good at A, B, and C. And I have to lean into that. You know, you have to help bring balance into this system by recognizing your humanity. Doug, can you speak a message of self-compassion here at the end to anyone who is going through the effects of bullying? Sure. You know, bullying is a very heavy, heavy weight to carry around with you. And as I said earlier, it can permeate every fiber of your belief system. What you think about yourself, what you think about God, what you think about others, what you think about your relationships, but you deserve to heal. You deserve to find a place of peace and rest within yourself. And part of doing that is connecting with a higher power, with God, asking God, help me see me through your eyes. Help me see who I really am. Help me see the you that you created me to be before all these earthly things got in my way. And help me to learn some self-compassion. Help me to seek healing from these hurting parts. Because they can calm down. You can recover from this. You can calm down the inner critic. You can find a way to speak peace into your heart by dealing with all these things that that are bothering you and these negative messages. So I don't want anybody out there to feel like you have to live with all these negative messages. I'm living proof of that. I lived with those negative messages for many, many years until I decided this is not who God designed me to be. And I'm going to get back to who he wants me to be and not what I've been told and, and, and 
psychologically swallowed from other people. I'm going to start rejecting that and find me. Going to start giving it back. Giving it back. And that, and once you do that for yourself, your vision of just how you view your life and your interactions with other people will begin to change so much. I'm kind of curious about what happened to Rex. Um, well, Rex actually had even more severe bullying than what we discussed here, but he eventually came to therapy. We worked through that. He's married. He has several children now. He's very involved in his children's lives in very healthy ways. He's, been, he's learned to build healthy relationships with other males and with other couples with he and his wife. And he, he's a high school teacher and really knows how to connect with teenagers and help them through their own struggles. So, yes. you know, you can overcome huge obstacles in your life if you put the hard work into no matter how bad it's been rex's story gets much worse and i talk about it in the in the book stuff that would be very difficult to overcome but you can you possess the power you possess the power to find avenues for you to heal psychologically and emotionally if you're willing to take the risk Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Doug. And by the way, that book is Childhood Trauma and the Non-Alpha Male, right? Right, right. Okay. And I would be happy to give some books away if oh, cool. If we want to do that. Yeah, we'll do a giveaway inside the Husband Material community. Doug, hey. thank you so much. What is your favorite thing about healing from bullying and the inner critic? Just living how God designed me living, you know, I think I said this last time we talked, but living in authenticity. Yeah. Living in who I was designed to be and trying to explore those avenues and not letting all the noise of past trauma interfere with that level of functioning. Find your authenticity, own it, wear it, live it, breathe it, be it. Drop the mic and always remember... You are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. <laughs>